Uh, we are going to uh, bring you this evening more with uh, Gina Skuman. Gina Skuman, of course, is the city economist at uh, Citibank and also David Shapiro. Uh, we're going to be doing that tonight here on The Money Show. You really do need your head checked if you're going into 2024 without at least some trepidation. Trepidation is probably the word that I will use. Uh, it's not going to be easy locally or anywhere else. In fact, I mean, 40% of the world's population, which generates about 60% of global GDP, will all vote in elections next year or at least have the right to vote in elections next year. And that includes us. Inflation is coming down. And just in time, I think, for most politicians in most countries to claim credit for bringing inflation down in their particular geographies. They'll argue they slayed the dragon, but interest rates are not going to reduce as fast. So that's going to be something of an encumbrance for them. Most households in most parts of the world are finding themselves more cash strapped than they have been at any point in the last five years or so, thanks to inflation everywhere and the fact that, you know, wages have not kept up with inflation, despite some pretty brave efforts in some countries. And in South Africa, as Azar Jameen was explaining last night, despite the fact that our economy is certainly creating jobs, it's not on the scale that the data suggests. Uh, but, you know, uh, we also don't have much economic growth. So how sustainable is it? It's not all doom and gloom. Uh, David Shapiro, 26%, 27%, possibly more on the S&P 500 this year in dollar terms. If we've broken even on the JSE in rand terms, I think I might just eat my hat. Um, it's been a really, really rough year for South African investors focused only on South Africa. Yeah, it has. In fact, we're probably down in dollar terms about David? 5 or 6%. Uh, if you're feeling no, a lot poorer, Bruce, the there reason you is you are. are a yeah, I thought you were poorer. hiding away from me, David. Now the fader is up, and ah. you are with us, which is a huge relief. Trust me. Sorry. So I was warbling on about the U.S. being better than South Africa this year, and I think that's indisputable, right? It is. Um, as I was saying, um, we're down about five or six percent in dollar terms, whereas the U.S. is up about twenty-five or twenty-six percent. So there's a huge gap. Uh, between the two markets, and a lot has to do with the, uh, you know, the constituents in those in those markets. You know, U.S. markets driven by technology. We're pretty much an old economy. Uh, the JSC is pretty much old economy. But Bruce, there there are a lot. To, there's a lot to discuss within South Africa itself. I think uh, which we can go into a lot. We scored a lot of own goals, but um, there are also other issues, global issues that have kept us back as well. So, but I think the the biggest deterrent, the biggest uh, in you know inhibitor, was the Eskom and Transnet stories, which I think has just held back any kind of development um, that we had, and that was reflected in the platinum shares, it was reflected in the coal companies, reflected in Anglo. So, big difference between um, the two markets. I think, I mean, I don't want to use the term miracle too lightly here, but it does feel like something of a miracle that we're not in the deep downward you know, sort yeah. of trajectory of, of of a recession here, David. I mean, the fact that we have had 283 days of load shedding this year, the fact that Transnet is not only incapable of running the trains effectively, but can't manage the ports properly, and we're, you know, we're imports and exports mm -hmm. are the lifeblood of business. Um, the fact that we're not sitting in the depths of, of depression, never 
never mind recession, I think is a miracle. Or is it simply the ingenuity and the creativity and the capability and the absolute resilience of the people who, who actually run this economy, which is the, the business sector? The private sector, absolutely. And I mean, the fact that we haven't gone into a deep dive is actually testimony to their resilience, robustness, whatever word you want to use. Um, I think there's one thing that I always have to bring up is that the, the, SA economy, the SA stock market, the South African stock market, is made up of about you know, 75% of companies who earn most of their money outside of South Africa. So you've got that factor in the JSE as well. But when we start digging down into SA, you know, SA Inc. stocks, uh, this, yeah, it's been a very, very difficult uh, time for them. But as you say, the resilience of those businesses, the resilience of the retailers, the banks have held up incredibly well. They've been you know, extremely well run and have showed no weakness. They, they haven't bowed to any kind of political pressure. So the banking sector, the financial sector remains very strong. And I think that, that remains the structure of any hope that we have got of pulling out of this, uh, you know, of, of the kind of situation that we find ourselves in. Bruce, the, you know, even if we are growing, even if we are flat, uh, these are not the kind of levels that can support ongoing sustainability of this economy. What the big fear is, and I think you've expressed it, is that something's going to crack, you know, something's going to eventually crack and, uh, and, 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 take away that kind of resilience or, or send us downwards. I think Gina's probably in a far better position to talk about uh, the underlying economy uh, than I am. I mainly exactly. watch you know, the stock market. Yeah. But, um, but what you've said but let's is talk, right. Let's talk about the performance. Let's talk about yeah. the performance okay. here, because shares are cheap in South Africa, and they are cheap yeah. because of all of the reasons that we know. Yeah. I'm going to be challenging Gina to actually not say anything negative, uh, because any fool can say negative stuff. It's in yeah. it's in our faces all the time. Uh, to try and find some silver linings to the, the dark cloud that looms over our economy. But when it comes to valuations, U.S. markets are considerably more expensive than shares on the JSE. JSE is cheap, but it's cheap for a reason. And I wonder if there'll be enough reason to drive up the value of South African companies on the JSE in the new year. Do you see it at all? You've gone through many, many cycles on the stock market. Yeah, you've got to be very specific where you go to. And that's that's the danger. You know, platinum shares have come under considerable pressure. I think, Bruce, you know what scares me? And when Anglos came out with that report of cutting down on their production and the shares took a dive of about 10 13%, that, that shocked me. You know, the fact that a company of their size is saying, look, uh, you know, we're not here for charity. We're here to make profit. We have to tailor our business accordingly. Therefore, we're going to cut down producing what we do produce mainly in South Africa, which would be iron ore, which would be on the platinum side, you know, closing mines. When you start to do that, that's pretty dangerous and has long-term ramifications. Um, you know, if we look at Amplats, it was down about 40%, Sabania down 50% this year. So it gives you an idea of the punishment that we've taken. Um, you know, those are the ones. The other thing that worried me, which is not really South Africa, was British American Tobacco wrote off a huge amount of um, from their Reynolds business, which also shows you this is a business that is, you know, slow. It's been dying for a long time, but I think we're starting to get to levels where we can no longer, I don't think we can rely on it um, you know, too much. That share was down 22%. But I think where we're going to 
you know, if we could only stabilize the economy now, and I think it's going to happen, and it's not going to happen because of us. I think it's going to happen because the world economy is going to start picking up. As you mentioned in the introduction, you know, rates are going to come down. We saw the so-called Fed pivot, which is a suggestion that rates uh, are not going to stay up, you know, too long. They'll stay up uh, longer, but not too long. And somewhere by by second quarter, third quarter of this year, we'll start to see rates falling in the U.S. We're going to see rates falling globally, you know, as um, in South Africa as well. And all of that starts to filter down to the bottom line. It gives consumers a, little, a lot more money to spend and so on. So I think around that is going to be our hope. And, you know, talking fast, I think the other hope is that we start to see China pulling out of its downturn and starting to spend again uh, on commodities and starting to see, you know, bulk commodity prices uh, pick up as well. So I think that's where the hope lies. Well, that's where the positive uh, news lies in that the world economy will start to pick up us and, and give us some kind of support to build from there. David Shapiro, thank you very much indeed. David Shapiro is at Sassfin, of course. Uh, Gina Skuman, the country economist at Citibank, also standing by. We'll chat to her in a moment, see whether or not she concurs with David's uh, positive view on the global economy and whether or not that trickle down will have that same positive effect on us in 2024. Cape Talk. Bruce is on the Money Show. To Gina Skuman we go. And earlier on, I was uh, connecting to you, Gina, saying the economy is most certainly down, but is it out? Is it out? Uh, good evening, Bruce. Um, I wouldn't say it's all the way out. I guess from the beginning of the year, you know, most of the consensus expectations around GDP growth was it for it to be somewhere around zero. And it looks like it's going to be slightly above 0.5. So, you know, but that feels like we're just grasping at straws here. It's not completely out. We've had, and I heard you going to challenge me on the negativity. So, um, if we think about this year, some of the biggest surprises, um, and, and they're easy to, to be known as surprises in hindsight, but, you know, in South Africa, inflation um, was faster here than expected. And that's coming obviously from a lot globally, but also obviously the supply side constraints of local issues. And then of course, how South Africa quickly stepped from just local political uncertainty into geopolitical uncertainty. I think, you know, those are two factors that start to weigh heavily on your country risk premium. And a country risk premium that's elevated is is never an easy thing for any emerging market. The silver linings, and I I know you were looking, um, asking David about this, but, you know, if we think about this year and you think to ourselves, well, what could the silver linings be? Well, they're always born out of crisis. We know that. And, And I'll give you roughly four. So number one, Load shedding, obviously, the biggest factor that's dragged us, dragged us down this year. Maybe not as much as people thought, but that has spurred on huge amounts of re- renewables. And again, you know, it, it links back to probably the second factor of the private sector being as resilient as you were speaking to David about a lot of these being very large scale private sector uh, corporations. I don't think this was an easy year for small businesses. And then the second one would be going to the other SOE, Transnet. Um, And yes, it is a big problem. It is likely to disappoint before, obviously, we see success. But I'm not sure if it's going to be ignored like ESCOM's problem was for a very long time. You just can't hide things as easily in South Africa anymore. So hopefully that will spur on some type of solution a lot quicker. The third one would be a very strict central bank. And yes, that is a very good thing. Because, you know, I, I spoke earlier about how inflation was sticky and difficult for longer because we have all these inefficiencies. And obviously a silver lining is that you don't want a central bank that's going to give in 
um, very easily to any political sway or, yeah. or these inefficiencies not taking them seriously. And then, uh, oh, that actually was the fourth thing because I took the private sector resilience <laughs> and added it into, you know, the renewables. So it's not all yeah. bad, but we're still below our population growth in terms of actual economic growth. And that is still a very bad thing. No, but that's the point, Judge. You know, I mean, we can nitpick around. Hey, look, we've got we've got 0.5 percent growth. You see, we're not in recession. In real terms, we've been in recession for most of the last decade and a half, simply because population growth has outstripped our economic growth. And so, per person, um, everyone in the country is just that little bit poorer. And it takes a long time to rebuild any business, any system, and particularly a country when a society has been dismantled in the way that South African capacity has been dismantled. But in that, I wonder if there is an opportunity for recovery as well. Because if you look at the signs of life in eight of the 10 industries that did grow earlier this year, manufacturing and finance and real estate, there are some really bare bones of growth opportunity, provided you can get electricity, provided you can make sure the water keeps running out the taps. Just the basics. I mean, I'm not asking for too much here, I don't think. And get stuff moving on trains and ports. Um, You know, sort those few things out. And suddenly, not only does the mindset of the country change, but the ability of the country to build off the back of functioning state-owned apparatus begins to, to work better. Yeah, well, absolutely. Look, next year, again, you know, we're talking about decimals here, but Much of the reason why people are expecting above 1% growth finally in South Africa is because of that very low base. But I must warn you that next year is really a a year of two halves. The first half of the year, you can't expect much to be done other, other than what a government who is very desperate to remain in power might need to do in order to stay so. So the elections, obviously, and we don't even have a date yet, but assuming it's going to be around May, you know, that takes out the first half of the year. And we have to be very careful because it's going to be very headline driven, very noisy. You know, the currency always, you know, rides off the back of that. And and you can't get any serious um, decision making um, other than, of course, let's see what happens with Transnet's plan. But, you know, come, seeing it in fruition is not going to happen over the next six months. I would say where you have a chance to see some better type of growth, or at least the composition, is in the second half of next year. Because you're going to, when I say you're going to, I still have to touch wood when I say that sometimes as an economist. But you really are going to have to see inflation coming down. This is in the absence of no massive supply side shocks like an oil price rise or whatever. But the uh, the inflation going down the second half of next year will help consumers. There's no doubt about it. And we do expect the South Africa Reserve Bank to be able to reduce rates. I'm not saying it's going to go on a cutting spree, but it will be able to reduce rates from what's currently defined as restrictive to what we think will be neutral. And that's about 100 basis points. So a full percentage point always helps the consumer's pocket. So that's the consumer side of the economy. But I think where people are really starting to get a little bit more excited, however dampened now slightly by Transnet, is the second half of the year starts to really show us what did this electricity crisis do in terms of the response for renewables? How resilient is this country actually in the second half of 2024? Will ESCOM's generation repairs and maintenance plans be able to put load shedding behind us? If that is the case, then private sector fixed investment does have 
a slightly better chance than what we've seen over the last 10 years. And then at least for the first time in a long time, you're going to see both sides of the economy starting to do something. Now, if you had asked me for probability of that, it's lower than what I would have said earlier on. Um, simply because we are very worried about Transnet. The logistical constraints on this yeah. economy has picked up substantially than where I think anyone would have put it earlier this year. But I think second half of next year is at least something we can look forward to um, without huge amounts of fear. Good on that particular front. And I just I, I look back at this year that we've had and I go, thank goodness for the Reserve Bank, because I think without sensible management of the Reserve Bank, and we see continuously the political rhetoric like we do around uh, NHI and the populist nature of politics, particularly as we go to uh, an election year and this desire to nationalize the Reserve Bank and assuming that once you do that, you can start declaring what the Reserve Bank should and should not be doing. But we've avoided an Argentina and a Turkey style sort of economic blowout by virtue of the fact that the Reserve Bank, despite much criticism, has has held true. And it's made life much, much tougher for us in the short term. But my goodness me, without it, I feel we would have got in ourselves into a, a terrible mess. No, I, I cannot agree with you more then. I, I know it's hard for consumers to see interest rates remain high and obviously get higher. But if you look across emerging markets, there are very few central banks like the Central Reserve Bank that are taken with huge amounts of respect. And the bottom line here is something that the governor has reiterated time and time again. Interest rates being high, being restrictive, are obviously painful. They're painful for everyone, but obviously the higher up income chain you go and the more variable rate credit you have, um, the more the more costly interest rates become to you. But inflation, inflation is what hurts every single person in this country, and more so those who are dependent on your more non-durable goods, food and fuel, um, taxis, etc. And that side of our population is hugely more vulnerable and obviously much larger in size. So if you're thinking about social stability, if you're thinking about financial stability, you know, the South Africa Reserve Bank is doing what it needs to do to ensure that we have stability in both of those areas of our economy. Gina Skuman, thank you very much indeed. The country economist at Citibank and to David Shapiro, who's the global equity strategist at, uh, uh, at, uh, in, who's got more years of experience uh, than half the market put together. He's at Sassman, of course, on The Money Show this evening.